0: The surge in U.S. oil and gas production has been a game changer for our country and for the world. In this new world order, an entire new set of opportunities has arisen and Toral is leading the charge in attacking and shaping the future. Entoro is a Houston-based investment bank with a veteran team of oil and gas professionals. We have built the most technically advanced platform to transact oil and gas assets and raise private capital. Today's technology is so robust, it opens a whole new set of doors. We're busting down the barrier to private capital and have have a proprietary relationship with a family office network. Private capital will move quickly to seize the vast opportunities in oil and gas left by the exit of public sector funding. Cash, speed, and knowledge are king. We are sourcing financing for assets that can deliver a coupon plus growth, be it for oil, in gas production, oil field services, or midstream projects. Welcome to the future of oil and gas in Enturo Capital, where innovation creates opportunity.
1: We have come to the completion segment of the PBE podcast with Mr. Dan Pickering. And sir, it's been uh, it's been enlightening along the way. I had no idea what this was really going to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so thankful for Enturo to, to bring it up and to uh, to do this and put this together, man, I, I've learned so much. I think about oh it so gosh. much, and I'm going to be following what you guys are going to do because it's a success story in the making. Thank mm. you. So with completions, we, we think the future. Let's bring in kind of these big ideas and get kind of weird. Usually we do this at night, so we've all been drinking at this point, point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it gets cool. Uh, but for the first one, the Permian Basin's history, just looking at the price curve of the permian basin let not everything else the drilling the completions the amount of oil just anything of the last hundred years of the permian basin shows an unbelievable story from the conception of the permian to now it's all over the place and the and we're getting all these stories back on the pb podcast from people in different eras 86 for you coming out of the undergrad there's so much to that history but now we're gonna look that and say okay that was cool What's the next hundred years look like, Dan Pickering? What's going to happen in regards to pick a topic? And pricing is going to be chaotic, and we know it's inconsistent, and maybe it's not flat. Or maybe some people say, no, it's like the housing market. It's going to be kind of a slow trend up, but overall, it's going to just be up. I mean, there's different concepts. What's the next hundred years the Permian looks like? We have enough reservoir for it. A hundred years—that is a long,
2: long <laughs> period of time. Um, your grandkids and your grandkids, yeah, kids. exactly. Well, I—I I just have a, I have a seven-month-old baby. Wow! So she's okay, congrats, congratulations. Thank you very much. She's going to live a lot, uh, a lot of this. But um, I think that that if we look back, what you see is a lot of the cycles over the last thirty or fifty years have been about supply. Mm -hmm. So demand has been pretty consistent, upward trajectory. You know, it grows 1% to 3% a year in line with global GDP, almost like clockwork. You go back the last almost 40 years, demand's down two of those 40 years. Wow. Global financial crisis. I think as you look forward, demand's going to be a bigger issue. I think that what what you're... Going to see in well, well now it's a competing marketplace right now there's so
3: well with alternative energy
2: coming in granted right. it's not as <clears throat>
3: efficient yet <clears throat>
2: but <clears throat> that's right <clears throat> and, and so I think that that this thing this thing meaning the oil business gets trickier over the next twenty five years because <clears throat> demand is demand is going to be less certain because we may see. You know, if they ever get batteries figured out, we're going to be seeing lots more guys driving around on battery power and a lot fewer on hydrocarbons. How soon is that? Don't have a clue. I I don't think it's the next two or three or four years, Sure, but it could be 25. And you better be thinking about managing it. How are you going to manage it? And so um, I think the good news for the Permian is that in a world that sees peak demand— That supply from here is going to be very, very competitive globally. And so if we went forward 50 years and demand's gone from peaks at 110 and falls to 75 or 60, I bet you the Permian's a big chunk of that 60 because it's simply very competitive today. I don't see it getting less competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I think if we think longer term, demand is going to be an issue that people have to grapple with a lot more. it's going to create I think there will be amazing opportunities to make money when the world gets scared that demand's rolling over and the likelihood's going to be in my opinion that that supply will fall faster than demand in that time period because folks will stop investing they'll be too afraid and they won't realize that maybe demand falls one percent a year and supply could fall five and all of a sudden you know, you might have 10 million barrels fewer demand and price could be 120 instead of 50. So demand, I think, is something to really think about. Um, How the well changes between today and and then is going to be really interesting because if you think back 75 years ago, I mean, we're drilling with cable tool rigs Mm -hmm. and what's it going to look like 75 years? Right. So, I mean, that's Laser just, beams, yeah, man. I'm thinking yeah, lasers. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? We may not drill wells. We may, well, I, just <laughs> who, <laughs> yeah, who knows? That's right. So if I, but if I think about it in the, in the more reasonable long term, 25 sure. years, I think um, you're going to see the kind of changing geopolitical dynamics. If you think about what's happening in Saudi Arabia, they're the third largest producer in the world now us, Russia, then Saudi. Saudi just IPO'd their oil company. I mean, that's basically all the wealth of of Saudi Arabia sits in the energy business. They're going to have to change as well. And so I think we're going to see different geopolitical dynamics.
1: Why do you think they did that?
2: Because I think I was talked about this this morning a little bit in my forecast breakfast. The guy that runs Saudi Arabia... the head of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, he's in his early 30s. I mean, Uh, you don't – Wow. You get – it's kind of like England, right? Elizabeth's been the queen for 50 years. This guy could be in the seat for 50 years. And so if you think forward that far, he's going to have to figure out how oil's not the only thing Saudi Arabia does. And so you start by creating a vehicle to monetize your, your wealth. And so, they IPO 1% to Saudi Arabia so that over the next 75 years, they can sell another 50 or 75% of it to the public. That's that's what I think they're trying to do.
1: Wow. Take all that money and do alternative?
2: Well, take all that money and, I mean, they look at, at what you've seen happen in Dubai, right, which is the same kind of geography. Dubai is a financial center of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you wean yourself off of a dependence mm-hmm. on hydrocarbons over the next 50 or 100 years? And so I think they'll try to develop other industries. So it's maybe a bit of a lesson, right? For if you're Exxon, what are you going to do over, mm-hmm. the next, over the next five years? You know what you're going to do, grind away. What are you going to do over the next 50 or 75?
1: Wow. You want
2: that position? You want to be the head of Exxon? Well, but, but here's, <laughs> here's the big difference. The average CEO of Exxon is going to be in that seat for maybe 10 years. Wow. This guy's going to be in the seat for 50. five to seven times that. Yeah. And so I do think they think differently. And um, it's, it's very hard if you're a CEO of a company, you got to run it. But are you really thinking about 50 years? Right. Yeah. Probably right. not.
1: Holy smokes. So.
2: So that's kind of... That's awesome. That That's not necessarily the Permian stuff, but I think it's... Right, a, it
1: has, it has imb- impact.
2: Implications yep. for the, the rest of the business. Um, I think we're going to, you know, we've got to manage this kind of climate issue, and I think that the industry is going to have to spend more time and effort helping the world understand the how the energy business fits on sustainability metrics on, you know, environmental, social and governance issues, because today's young people, they care deeply about this stuff, whether or not the world's burning up and climate change is meaningful or not, Mm -hmm. they care about it. And so they're going to be, the investors of the future, right. right? And so you're going to have to figure out how to help educate them. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um, the industry in aggregate has probably been quite dismissive of this, but I don't think you're going to be able to be dismissive of it. And, and you're starting to see sustainability reports coming sure. out of most yeah. of the public companies. And and so the industry going to have to do a better job of explaining the good they do in the world by producing hydrocarbons and wow. and how they think about
1: you know all of the ESG issues you transition to the next question so flawlessly did you i <laughs> mean you me. just did it, that right off go. the top i mean the idea of of uh, of investing in the future which is what we're doing that idea and that concept is all about the unspoken truth of the current professionals in place investing in the future of the next generation being the builders of that generation and then i take it one step further to get kind of weird is that uh if i ask an older generation person about the millennials you get a negative uh, they want everything fast instant gratification right they don't want to work for it that's what i get majority i get the fact that the next generation that we have to invest in and the next generation that has to be successful is not really liked by the <laughs> generation before, but you guys built us. Not you guys, but the, you're Right, I'm speaking to them. It's, He's calling me an old guy. Yeah, sure. it it's is. the process. It's man, the process. Fire so, the
3: birthday comment in the beginning. And all <laughs> you this, know, man, fire, you? I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> sorry. Like,
1: can, I, can I offer you a claw? <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but it transitioned sorry to just keep going down that rabbit hole, it transitions to this next thing. When you are an investor and you're thinking about what you're investing in, you have all those options. In my opinion, there's kind of three main categories to it all. You're investing into people, you're investing into a process, and you're investing into the product, right? Those are the three main real targets of what am I investing in? I got to know those things. Is it A millennial thing about technology and something. What is it? Those three points, just one by one, Mm -hmm. what is it that you're investing in? Yeah. So do the last one
2: first. Product's pretty straightforward, which is if you're a hydrocarbon investor or an energy investor, if you're an oil and gas investor, that's pretty straightforward. I'd rather invest in oil first and gas second. There's Hmm. more... Cheap gas out there, so I worry about supply hurting me mm-hmm. uh, in terms of price in gas more than I do in oil, and so in between, or you know, NGLs or or products. So I like oil better than I like gas. Um, if you're a, so that's if you're an oil and gas investor. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you're a energy investor, I think you have to start thinking about other forms of energy, whether that's. Um, you know renewables, right. or you know electric technology, etc. Um, when you start doing that, you get pretty ventury pretty fast. It, it's higher volatility type stuff. We're not doing a lot of investing in in battery technology because we don't want donuts, right? We're we don't want a zero, mm-hmm. but but there's a place for that, and so I think that the view of energy is going to increasingly move from oil and gas toward you know, the broader, bigger picture. Um, when I think about people, I think that, that despite the fact this is a capital-intensive business and most of your money is going into drilling wells and buying acreage and facilities and all of the hard asset stuff, um, and hiring and people and culture – is just so important and it gets really tricky. Small company, small company, the people issue is pretty easy. You know everybody, you know mm-hmm. who's getting it done, everybody knows right, who's getting right. it done. You've gotta have the guts to fire the bad guys and the, and the balls to hire the, you know, the people you think are gonna be really hardworking, good yeah. superstars. If you're a really big company, that's a machine and you just plug different people yep. into the machine for the most part. Sure. And so, but when you're in between, are you you really have to be good to manage sort of the people issue when your company's bigger than bigger than the point where you know everyone by name and mm. their kids and all that stuff, <laughs> but smaller <laughs> than having a machine. Right. Yeah. And I don't think you can get away from So the culture has to be willing to, you know, how did we mess up? And so you don't, you know, if you're, if you don't make mistakes, you're not working hard enough, but if you make mistakes, then there's a screw up somewhere and you got to figure out why it happened and not do it again. Um, And so you've got to encourage that and you got to hire good people and you got to hire the right amount of good people. And I mean, the people side of this is the hardest part Mm -hmm. and probably bad people, can get by for a while with really good assets, but not indefinitely, because yeah. bad people will screw up good assets eventually. <laughs> um, then, then, process was the, the last right. question or last point. Um, we tend to, you know, when we think about this and attack it from a process perspective, the real key is knowing what you're trying to accomplish. And, and so, from when, when you're an investor, what's my return hurdle? How much risk am I willing to take? How much capital do I have? And so if I'm a, in our PDP strategy, we know we want to make 13%, 14 15%. That means we're going to be investing in lower risk assets, which means I'm never going to buy an island off the proceeds of these investments, but I'm never no. going to be in the poorhouse either. Right. Flip side is, do I want to Do I want to take some more risk and be more aggressive? And if I do, I'd better get a three or four bagger on my investment because my risk of a zero is higher or my risk of losing money is higher. So I think understanding what you're trying to accomplish yeah. is really critical because that sort of sets the tone for everything else. That helps you say, no, I'm not going to do this project. Yes, I will do this project. So I think... You know, knowing yourself or knowing your strategy is is key from a process perspective because it just helps you cull out the noise. If I'm trying to buy proven producing reserves in the Permian, I don't have to care about all the other basins and all the other types of assets. Then I really just got to hone in and be an expert yeah. on Permian PDPs. Right on. So I think know what you're trying to do yeah. really helps improve your process.
1: That was fantastic. Fantastic explanation. You have anything off the top?
3: The only thing that I can one last question or I guess comment is are you guys at Pickering Energy looking at diversifying at the moment out of oil and gas, out of, you know, the resource play into more, you know, potentially you know, batteries, for example, because you brought up that example. But is that something that you're researching as well and just kind of waiting for an opportunity to invest? Or is that something that's
2: just kind of out there right now? Yeah, great, great question. So we had a big strategy session earlier this year. And what I told my guys is I said, I don't know what the world looks like in 10 years. I don't know what our company looks like in 10 years, but it can't look exactly the same as it looks today. Yeah. The hard part about moving outside of our kind of core oil and gas focus has been, we're really good, smart guys on oil and gas, and if we're going to move outside that, we're going to have to have some different expertise. Which mm-hmm. means it's probably not Dan Pickering, the 25-year you know energy analyst, oil and gas analyst. It's going to be somebody else that we bring on the team to help make us smart in those other areas. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to – we haven't put a lot of money to work in those areas because they've been pretty dangerous. Yeah. Y- you've lost a ton of dough trying to <laughs> yeah. develop batteries or cellulosic ethanol or fill in the blank, fill in the blank. So we're absolutely thinking about what we do other than putting money to work in oil and gas. Yeah, But I, I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you gotta have the right people to do it. Yeah. So it's a it's an evolution, not a step function, I mm-hmm. think, from our perspective.
3: And I think that fits into exactly what you're doing here, right? You yeah. you have this model and it works as far as the financial standpoint, right? We we know we're gonna make our money back. We're not buying that island right away, but once we're confident in this and we can hedge against it, that's right. Th- it's gonna be a win. That's right. Yeah. And
2: and I think importantly to get the This is one particular strategy. If we found a brilliant battery guy and felt like we had an edge, we could raise some capital with different return criteria and take some risks over there. So, you know, again, the beauty of, of what we do is that if an opportunity presents itself, you go attack it. The mm-hmm. key is to always be looking for those opportunities. Yeah. So you can't just, you can't be the same, doing the same things you were doing. If In this business, if you're doing the same things you were doing three or four years ago, either you better do them a lot better, or you're going to be on the downhill side of what's happening in the industry.
1: Right on. That. I'll, I'll take a stab at re in that one. Please. <laughs> so... <laughs> you have you must come up with a product that you yourself are confident in understanding and developing a competitive edge in understanding the product. Then you think about what people you have available to help run the process, because the process is probably pretty fundamental, whatever you end up doing. Your example was oil and gas. It's probably pretty fundamental process on oil and gas. Who... Uh, are the people that are going to run that process to sustain and develop the product? That's how I felt that uh, that was explained by you.
2: Yes. If I recage your recage, <laughs> <Let's> go, we're, <laughs> um, we're locked in. Yes. What I'd say is keep your eyes open for areas that are opportunities, and then you've got to attack them with the right assets, whether that's people, capital, you know, equipment, etc. And if you do that, what that says is you're never going to be the buggy whip guy because you're going to have said there's something going on in cars. And that doesn't mean you sold your buggy whip business immediately, but you started investing in garages or service <laughs> stations or something. <laughs> yeah. So cool. that's how I think we've got, I think that's how the industry needs to be thinking about things, particularly back to this long-term issue. The... The mom and pap, pop oil and gas company that drills three wells a year today won't be able to do that seventy five years from now. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to be doing?
1: Fantastic! All right, to end the completion segment of this show, sadly, oh,
3: my I, I thought you were going to say to recage the recage. Oh, and the re-cage. we,
1: <laughs> <no>, we tried. <laughs> that'd be that'd thing. be really good. No, <laughs> no, <Nah, Nah, nah, laughs> we're unlocking the cage right now. <laughs> we're getting out of this thing. Uh-huh. Uh, to end the completion segment, I'm I'm out. I am now fascinated with the next six months, eight months, a year, if you want to say. What is Dan Pickering doing in this next six months? You have shows on CNBC and I mean, you're all over the place, and you are clearly very good at articulating a successful uh, approach. Uh and, and and, then in the years we'll see the success. But right now, what is it? Are people all over I mean, what what do you what do you focus your time in the next six months?
2: Yeah. So it's pretty easy. It's it's making sure that we get this capital deployed successfully in the Permian. This is our most active investment strategy. And so finding oil and gas PDPs to buy in the Permian is kinda a key focus. Um Every day, all the time, we're trying to figure out what's happening in the business and where it's headed. And so uh, I always spend a little bit of time thinking about macro issues, what's going on with supply, OPEC, all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, thinking about, so this is an area where we're focused on right now. What are we going to be focused on three years from now? Doing a little bit of think forward thinking and, uh, you know, taking... Ten or fifteen or twenty percent of my time, trying to figure out what seeds to plant sure. for the future.
1: Are you going to conventions? Or are you just sitting back and reading like Geo News and these these products online that are keep feeding you this information? Or are you out there banging on doors and talking to people, shaking hands and boots on the ground? Yeah, for that? it's so. I'll give a shout out to my team. Right,
2: we've got fifteen people at our company and. The answer is it's a little bit of all that. It's amazing how much information you can access from your office. Mm-hmm. but it's also amazing how hard it is to truly understand it if you're not talking to people <laughs> yeah. that are out <laughs> actually doing things. Yeah. And so uh, we spend we spend a lot of time gathering information and you know grinding through uh, kind of the technical and evaluation side of of various deals, but you know the the things that really help identify opportunities are coming to Midland and meeting with folks. Conventions, conventions. Um, I'd much rather spend a day in Midland doing six meetings with guys who are out in the thick of it than I would go into a convention and, you know, who do I bump into, right? Right? I'd rather kind of control my destiny there. So it's, I think you can't get away from, doesn't matter how capital-intensive business is, you gotta talk to people to figure it out. Work your contacts.
1: Yeah, that's right. Wow. Knock on doors. Knock on doors, man. (laughs) Mr. Pickering, wow, what a show this was, man. It was an honor to share these microphones with you, and I am personally so excited for your future with uh, this Henry Investment and and everything you guys do here in the near future. We will be watching, the world will be watching, and we're rooting for you. Thank you you so much. Enjoyed it. This This was was a
2: pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, enjoyed it.